the truth will set you free. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro repeats this Bible quote on a regular basis, but when it comes to himself, he doesn't necessarily follow the teachings of the Gospel of John. In March, the president was tested twice for COVID-19, and he says both results came back negative. However, he refuses to show any proof. One daily newspaper in Brazil has tried to obtain the documents through the Access to Information Act, but the government has fought tooth and nail to keep the tests from being released to the public. Now the matter will be decided by the Supreme Court, raising the question, can the president's health remain a private matter or is it a state affair? My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, this is Explaining Brazil. Brazil has a long history of dramatic presidential ailments. In 1969, President Artur da Costa Silva suffered a stroke and was left incapacitated. The dictatorial government of the time hid his medical condition for as long as they possibly could. Sixteen years later, Brazil would find itself in a similar situation. Elected by Congress to become the first civilian president after 21 years, Tancredo Neves was rushed to the hospital with severe abdominal pain on the eve of his inauguration. For 39 days, the president was in the hospital, his vice president was the acting head of state, and no one knew exactly what was wrong with Tancredo. Some reports said it was diverticulitis, but it turned out to be a tumor. On April 22, 1985, the president was dead. Lamento informar que o excelentíssimo senhor presidente da República, Tancredo de Almeida Neves, faleceu esta noite no Instituto do Coração às 10 horas e 23 minutos. Flash forward to 2020 and we have a president who's also coy about his own health. 24 people in his inner circle fell ill to COVID-19, but the president claims he's not been contaminated himself. But in recent weeks, Jair Bolsonaro has been seen coughing and wheezing through public speeches. So was the president infected? And has he the right to keep his medical condition to himself? We welcome back as our guest this week, Felipe Campanti, Associate Professor at the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies. Felipe, uh, President Jair Bolsonaro was tested for COVID-19 on March 12th and March 17th. He has said that both tests came back negative, but has refused to show them. Uh, daily newspaper Estado de São Paulo has filed a lawsuit to get a hand of these tests. They have won multiple lower court decisions until Brazil's second highest judicial body uh, gave the president a pass and said that he could keep the results private. Now the question will be decided by the Supreme Court. And my question to you is, Jair Bolsonaro is a citizen, and as a citizen, he enjoys some rights to privacy. But the health condition of a head of state is a public matter. 
So when these two notions clash, which should trump the other? Well, I mean, uh, as you point out, obviously there are, you know, conflicting principles here, you would say, but I, I think it's worth kind of thinking about this from a broader perspective, right? You know, once you withhold information that is potentially relevant for, you know, political and, and you know, policy outcomes, you're creating noise and you're creating potentially sort of a distorted playing field, right? One where uh, certain people might have access to certain kinds of information, which might have even you know, financial implications, right? It's very easy to imagine, you know, just to kind of remove ourselves from the specific context, but just thinking about the health of a, of a, uh, of a head of state or a head of government, right? And if you know something others don't, you could actually, you know, obtain financial gain from that, right? You could, you could uh, uh, play with this privileged uh, information in the, you know, financial markets and so on. So clearly it, it raises a problem. And it's not it's not a coincidence that this type of lack of disclosure kind of reminds you of the Soviet Union uh, back in the day, right? In the 80s, we would have like uh, these leaders who were in absolutely perfect health until they like dropped dead. It's telling that this lack of transparency often is associated with this type of regime, right? Where where you you really do have this type of uh, uh, you know manipulation of information uh, and so on. So I think when you think about this uh, uh, sort of from this broader perspective, I think it's it's quite clear that you know there are limits to uh, the right to privacy of the head of state and the head of government uh, that are stricter than you know, what those would be for citizens, right? Because, uh, you know, it really does matter uh, for for politics. It really does matter for policy. And as such, I think we have a, a, a much stronger argument, particularly in this case where, you know, all, all of the, 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 you know, COVID is sort of the main uh, theme of uh, policy and, and politics or, or one of uh, the main themes for sure. Obviously, not everything, right, should be uh, about the present, should be public. There, there is some right to privacy, but but you know clearly the things that are relevant from a policy, from from a sort of political perspective, I think you should you you know there's there's a much stronger argument that these should be made public. You mentioned the behavior of the president, and uh, that brings me to my next question, which is: Let's assume he was infected by the coronavirus. He still kept meeting supporters, touching them, hugging them. What does that mean? Should the president face some kind of legal responsibilization uh, for knowingly being contaminated? And that's uh, a leap we're doing here because we don't know uh, the content, the, the results of Jair Bolsonaro's ex uh, tests. But uh, assuming that he was infected, what does it mean in terms of responsabilization of the president, accountability of the president? Well, first of all, I think like his behavior with respect of uh, you know uh, his refusal to release the, the the results clearly indicates you know uh, raises the probability that the tests were actually uh, positive, and and this is one example where I think uh, this becomes uh, politically relevant. So I'm not a legal expert. So I'm not going to say much of anything about like whether he should be held responsibly responsible from from a legal perspective, 
but he certainly should be held responsible from a political perspective, right? I mean, uh, it is relevant if you have, uh, you know, the the president behaving in a completely irresponsible. I mean, it's clearly irresponsible uh, uh, already, regardless of the test results, but. Even more so, right? If he was knowingly uh, uh, infected and behaving the way uh, that he has been behaving uh, through this entire period, uh, it clearly matters, right? It tells you something about his judgment. It tells you something about his responsibility or lack thereof, uh, and 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 it's clearly something that is meaningful in terms of judging the president's behavior, and it's something that the public should know precisely for that reason. That's the kind of uh, information that should be made available precisely because it matters for accountability and for kind of judging the the, the performance and the, the the fitness of of the president. You said that the fact that he has not disclosed the tests raises a huge um, suspicion that he was indeed infected. Uh, me personally, I think it could be just another episode in which Jair Bolsonaro is trolling us, the media, uh, and trying to hold a bait just to make us fall on our faces again. Because if he was infected and he was not hit hard health-wise, would that not go into his rhetoric that uh, the coronavirus will only cause the sniffles and that COVID-19 is not as severe as uh, governors are saying, well, I mean, certainly possible that the the results are are uh, are actually negative, uh, and you could, you know, concoct a story for for why he would be uh, doing that, kind of on a uh, sort of rationally and sort of strategically doing that, and it's and it's possible that that's the case, right? But I think more more broadly, I, I think sort of if if there is some some strategy behind this. It may not be so much about like trolling uh, the media and 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 bolstering like let's say his argument that uh, you know this is uh, this is a sniffles or like whatever, but more about I think what is one of the key hallmarks of his political approach, which is just contaminating the information environment, right, and creating noise and creating a situation where people just don't believe anything, right? Which which I think is a is a is a key part of sort of the political strategy. If the test results are released, uh, whichever way they go, a lot of people would be like, oh, this was fake. This was, uh, you know, there's this conspiracy going on or what have you. And that's 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 part of what uh, he wants to do or, or you know, populist, populist leaders such as Bolsonaro want to do, which is just creating that type of environment where nothing is to be trusted, nothing is to be believed and that's where uh, uh, you know politicians like him can can uh, can flourish. And uh, I want to make a parallel between what we are observing right now with this uh, controversy around Jair Bolsonaro's test and what happened to when other presidents' health conditions were important. Mar- Field Marshal Costa Silva in the sixties than Tancredo Neves in the 80s. So I would like to ask you to compare how these heads of state uh, handled their health information, how that relates to 
what we're seeing from Jair Bolsonaro. Well, that's an interesting uh, uh, sort of historical comparison. Um, I mean, if you think about uh, back, you know, the 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 1960s example that you mentioned with Jorge Silva, uh, you know, clearly it kind of illustrates how a, a non-democratic uh, regime, you know, deals with uh, transparency, right? And 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 how it it. Uh, 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 Fears transparency, right? If you know, my understanding is at the time uh, the vice president was a civilian, right? So uh, you know, if if the president was somehow known to be incapacitated, sort of the the institutional uh, procedure would be to have the vice president take over, and that was something that uh, uh, you know the military like would not countenance, and 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 that essentially illustrates how uh, the lack of transparency is used to circumvent institutions and to sort of circumvent processes, right? So I think that that illustrates uh, how or, and, and why you see this type of regime being particularly associated with this type of handling uh, and, and, and the lack of transparency. Think back to the Tancredo Neves example. I think that was, was also uh, 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 quite, you know, telling about the political context, which was one of transition, right, between an authoritarian regime and, and sort of like a fledgling uh, uh, attempt of reconstructing uh, democracy. And again, I think sort of the, the reaction then was to err on the side of obscuring things, right, and, and not being transparent because, you know, there was sort of this uncertainty as to how uh, the situation would be dealt with, right? And when you have... Uh, a well-functioning democracy, and when institutions uh, are working to 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 use the term that has become almost kind of a kind of a running joke in Brazil, when that is the case, then you know there you can you can sort of trust the process. There are uh, procedures in place to handle situations like that, and and you know transparency becomes the default. With the Supreme Court being called upon to gain access to a president's medical records, we want to discuss whether Brazilian politics are becoming over-judicialized. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Kiran, co-founder of the Brazilian Report. COVID-19 has created a media paradox. Audiences are going up, but for many journalism companies, revenues actually is going down. Some of Brazil's biggest media outlets are trying to cut the salaries of their reporters by up to 70%. Not us. We protect our team because they bring you the best information about Brazilian English. But we do ask you to subscribe to The Brazilian Report, which is the engine of this podcast. There, you will find new in-depth content every day, special reports, analytical newsletters. Just go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. And please stay safe. We're back with Felipe Campanchi, Associate Professor at the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies. Now, I want to shift the subject a little bit and talk about the Supreme Court, who will ultimately rule on this question whether or not Jair Bolsonaro uh, has to make his test results public. 
Uh, it's yet another episode of the Supreme Court stepping in and kind of regulating the playing field. We have seen just in these past few weeks, the Supreme Court determining that the president could not name a friend of his son's to the federal police. We have seen the Supreme Court greenlighting an investigation into the president. So how do you see, and this is not something that has happened only under Jair Bolsonaro. For the past decade or two decades or so, we have seen the Supreme Court taking a more prominent role in Brazilian politics. How do you interpret these trend? Well, I mean, it's 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 quite clear that that's something problematic, right? When you have the Supreme Court taking such an active role, and I think even more so in Brazil, where more than the Supreme Court, it, it's it's as if you had like eleven Supreme Courts, right? Because the each individual justice, uh, you know, they they take these monocratic uh, decisions that then get uh, overturned and and there's very you know, that just adds to the to to the overall sort of uh, 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 level of uncertainty and institutional uh, noise if you will right so there's a lot to be said sort of against having this type of of intervention but when you think about it uh, there's a sense in which it's 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 more of a symptom of institutional dysfunction uh, perhaps uh, uh, than uh, uh, cause uh, you know, we economists, we have sort of this notion that we call the second best, which is the idea that there are certain things that like you would not want to have uh, under ideal uh, circumstances, right? You know, certain policies, let's say, that would clearly be uh, non-optimal uh, in, in, in an ideal scenario. But given all the distortions and uh, uh, imperfections that exist uh, in the real world might actually be, uh, 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 you know, play a positive role in the following sense. If you were to imagine, like, let's take the political and institutional situation uh, uh, in Brazil right now, if we were to just take the Supreme Court off the table, right, and this type of uh, 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 um, haphazard intervention from the Supreme Court off the table, would we be better off or not? And I think the answer to that is, is it's it's not clear uh, at all uh, that we would be better off, right? Uh, and I think one interesting point of comparison under current circumstances is, is the United States, where the Supreme Court is also a political player. And by the way, as we are recording this right now, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments about whether Congress uh, uh, should be uh, uh, entitled to access, uh, you know, financial uh, information about the president. And in the U.S., uh, the Supreme Court is clearly a political player, but even more so, it's it's a it's a partisan player, right? So you kind of expect, uh, uh, and it's it's very easy to predict how uh, justices are going to behave based on uh, who uh, uh, appointed them and their ideological proclivities, and. And that's something that is is quite problematic as well. And in contrast, in Brazil, you have a Supreme Court that is deeply, deeply political. But because the Brazilian sort of uh, party system is much uh, weaker and less consolidated than the American one, it's not a partisan Supreme Court in that sense of, of sort of uh, lining up uh, uh, with uh, specific 
uh, partisan policies or or, or political uh, political preferences. And in that sense, the unpredictability that the Supreme, the Brazilian Supreme Court, uh, uh, brings to the table has some arguably positive consequences. So the example that you mentioned, for instance, where Bolsonaro uh, was trying to appoint a you know friend of the family to head the federal police, and one Supreme Court justice, right, Alexandre Moraes, stepped in and said, like, no, you can't do that. You can say, like, look, this is clearly a dysfunctional scenario where the Supreme Court is uh, interfering with this type of appointment, but it's checks and balances, right? Perhaps not the, the, the ideal kind of checks and balances, but it is, right? And, and, and in that sense, uh, if you see what the Justice Department, uh, Trump's Justice Department uh, has been doing, uh, uh, Trump has been more successful than Bolsonaro in breaking through sort of the standard uh, checks and balances, and part of that because you have uh, 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 you know kind of this partisan structure of which the Supreme Court uh, uh, has become a part, right? That uh, makes everything kind of line up uh, in this more predictable direction. And how do you see the behavior of the Supreme Court during Jair Bolsonaro's presidency? Because on one hand, we see justices that are actively barring the president from certain excesses. And then you have the Supreme Court Chief Justice who acts in a very docile way, always refraining himself from any sort of criticism towards the president. So how do you see how the court is performing its role in the Jair Bolsonaro era? Well, that's where we get back to the issue of the 11 Supreme Courts, right? We are... Uh, uh you know the court rarely uh, uh, if ever speaks in unison uh, or or even if there's dissent there's there's no sense in which there's kind of like the opinion of the court in the same way uh, that there is when you actually have a, a more properly functioning uh, institutional environment and i think that's another example of that and and as you pointed out the behavior of uh, the chief justice justofoli uh, has been I think you could call it like factless with respect to uh, the executive, but uh, you know more broadly with respect to the military as well, which has become you know a key political player. Again, illustrating how uh, dysfunctional uh, Brazilian institutions are right now, uh, and and I think that is a, 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 a very problematic position for the chief justice to uh, to engage and you know kind of appeasing right the the the, the authoritarian tendencies of uh, the the executive of the president of the military as well so i think that's that's a very dangerous uh, behavior the brazilian system is such that he will step down soon as chief justice and someone else will will step in and that in this uh, kind of bizarre and, and and dysfunctional way, sort of the 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 you know the 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 institutions will kind of keep uh, uh, you know chugging along, but I think that uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't take that to to, to be a, a source of comfort really because I think there is you know as the the institutions. And the Supreme Court, in particular, fails to act in a in a in a decisive manner, and adds to the noise and to the uncertainty. 
it itself delegitimizes itself and uh, the the uh, uh, institutional environment further uh, in a way that I think can bring uh, long lasting damage to uh, to Brazilian institutions. So I think it's it's very disturbing and and it, it's it's really uh, uh, lamentable the way that particularly Jeshtofoli has behaved uh, under the Bolsonaro administration. And the the quote unquote good news is that he won't be there for long. But the bad news is that there is lasting damage that this uh, 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 brings uh, to the court and to institutions in general, and that the unpredictability of having the 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 eleven Supreme Courts is a, a problem in itself that further degrades the institutional environment. So that's clearly not what you want to see. Uh, but I think the 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 state of Brazilian Brazilian institutions is uh, you know so uh, uh, fragile right now that it's that is hard to 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 think what the what the alternatives would be at this moment. I mean, I think you can definitely say that it would be better to have uh, a chief justice that behaves in a, in a in an appropriate manner, which is definitely not the case uh, of the current uh, chief justice. But, uh, you know, just the, the level of uncertainty and the level of turmoil that this configuration brings is, is certainly something that uh, uh, contributes to, to, to the further deterioration of uh, the institutional environment in Brazil. Felipe, thank you very much. Thank you again. Always a pleasure. If you like Explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars and share this podcast with your friends. But that's not the best way to support us. Actually, you can go to our website and with as little as $3.90, you can subscribe to the best content about Brazil in English. Go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. We're bringing new content every day about how the pandemic is affecting every single aspect of life in Brazil and Latin America, all the way from the stock market to the sex industry. We also have a paywall-free COVID-19 live blog. So that's it for this week. Stay home, stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Bye.